Welcome, folks. We're splitting it up this year. We're going to go conference by conference. You know, rather than do that big episode like we did last year, we want to break it all down for you. Today is July 12th. We'll be releasing all these episodes as it get closer to the season. Trust, though, what we have. I think we have a good idea of who's going to be starting quarterbacks, what the teams are looking like. We're actually recording this two days after Pastor Gerald got canned as a coach, but we're going to talk about Big Ten today. Larry, we'll talk about the teams, but just overall as a Big Ten, what are your thoughts coming up on this year? Uh, very exciting. Um, it's probably a three-horse race, and they're all in the East. Uh, <laughs> the West the West is going to be, the like, wild. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's still Ohio State, Michigan. It's, they're the only two teams that really matter. A lot of first-year head coaches, a lot of quarterback movement. I still think it's going to be a very exciting year for Big Ten. Um, there'll be very competitive games. I think we'll see a lot of a lot of upsets. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Love it, BCB. What about you? Yeah, no, I think it'll be I think it'll be fun football. Uh, I think it's going to be going to be very competitive. There'll be some parity there. No idea who's coming out of the West. Really, to an extent, kind of no idea who's coming out of the East. So I think it's going to be. I think it's more wide open than it has been. Uh, by virtue of attrition at Ohio State, and then um, you know, there's kind of kind of some mix up here and some transfers, uh, and then also it, it might be Michigan's time to shine. So I think that's that's kind of fun to see. That's hardball after uh, using his his 2020 COVID year to duck Ohio State and kind of save his job. Has he now put himself firmly on top of the Big Ten Mountain? Uh, that'll be a fun storyline to watch here. Sure. No, I think like you guys said, the West is going to be wild collectively i think the whole tub club agrees for all of our listening to audience that the big 10 is better than the sec i heard from these guys offline that that's what their thoughts were but we're going to break it down team by team give us here two seconds i get no We're back. So Big Ten Conference, we're going to go ahead and hop right into it. We're going to start with the East. First team we wanted to talk about is Michigan. I'm going to start us off here with Michigan. A couple of things I noticed and, you know, looking at them. Number one, they lose their tight end and quarterback to Iowa. They still have J.J. McCarthy, great quarterback, but their backup, Cade McNamara, who they used all the time, now is a starting quarterback at Iowa. Uh, they go to Penn State this year. That's going to be a tough, tough game. Uh, they still have Blake Corum, like I mentioned, J.J. McCarthy. A couple things I noticed is that their cornerbacks are they're kind of they're kind of dying down. They lost a cornerback, their other cover corner, not the greatest in the world. Uh, they run like, you know, it's 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 Harbaugh, right? He runs a 49er offense, fucking pound the ball down the middle, run the ball, control the clock, kind of what Big Ten football is, but. They're known for that pressure they can get to the quarterback. I don't think not so much this year. What do you guys think? I like J.J. McCarthy, a great quarterback, is makes me want to puke. Um, he still doesn't make great decisions. He's Sometimes he's out there like I'm not quite Manziel, but he's out there just like throwing the ball across his body. Like I, they're, the he's Big Cat runs through them. They've proven that the last two years but they also got their ass kicked by TCU in the playoff. Um, a lot of people are putting them in the national title game already this year, which I think is crazy. And um, the two headed backfield is excellent. Their offensive line. I feel I pretty sure almost all of them are coming back. They're still going to have a good defense. They'll be playing bully ball, but I don't, I, my biggest thing is do we see a step forward for JJ McCarthy? I, he doesn't have to do a lot, but if he makes mistakes early on, um, they could be in trouble. BCB, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, to kind of build on it, I really like J.J. McCarthy. I think he's probably the best quarterback in the Big Ten this year um, by the time it's all said and done. They did. So to go out and fill their backup quarterback, they actually added uh, Jack Tuttle, who's probably in like, I think he's in his fifth or sixth year, uh, formerly, former four-star recruit, former Utah quarterback, former IU quarterback. 
Um, so he's he came in to strictly just be the second string behind McCarthy. Uh, obviously, if you look at Harbaugh, he's got a great track record of developing quarterbacks. So I do expect McCarthy to take a step forward. Um, do think he's kind of a Heisman contender this year as well. I don't know if they'll open it up enough for him uh, to to get those numbers. Um, it's kind of interesting. Uh, so one, like you said, Harbaugh, he, he likes, to, likes to play the style of football that I like, where you line up, you got a tight end, you got a fullback, you run the ball. Uh, they probably have the best running, one of the best running backs in the country. Um, and Blake Corum, uh, again, a kid that I think is probably a Heisman contender. Um, also, they return 145 career starts on the offensive line. So that's a pretty big number. Um, that's a number I always look at. So I think they're going to be just fine up front. Very interesting. They did lose a lot of talent on the defensive line, including two first, uh, two first team Big Ten selections mm-hmm. uh, and a couple first round draft picks. They did add Josiah Stewart um, from Coastal Carolina in is a transfer. So shout out Larry there. Uh, the fans <laughs> got a. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. And then also did lose some in their secondary. They do return three guys though who have started for him as well. So they do have some experience back. And then they added a UMass transfer, a kid by the name of Josh Wallace, who had 33 starts at UMass. So <laughs> big win kind of plucked some G5 schools to fill some of the defensive talent. Uh, I still still expect them to uh, to contend. Their schedule is also incredibly favorable. Yep. Uh, it's also incredibly favorable for them here from a scheduling standpoint. They play East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green all at home to start. So they don't, they don't play a serious football game till in the end of September. Yeah, I was just going to mention, you know, they end the season with Purdue, which we'll talk about later, Penn State, Maryland, and then home against Ohio State. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, speaking of Ohio State, BCB, why don't you kick us off with what you got about Ohio State? So I guess this is kind of one of those, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Uh, they, they do break in a new quarterback this year. I think it's going to be Kyle McCord. Uh, kind of from what I've seen, obviously, whoever wins the starting quarterback job at Ohio State for the last decade or so is usually a pretty pretty solid bona fide Heisman contender. Um, this kid's also very highly talented. So we'll see. Ryan Day had been a quarterback coach, obviously, in his past, played quarterback back in the day at New Hampshire. Um, so, you, you know, his quarterbacks are always ready to go. Uh, and they've had a lot of success, whether it's been playing at Ohio State or elsewhere, uh, in the case of Joe Burrow. But we'll see. That's an unknown. Uh, Ohio State probably also has the best wide receivers in the country again this year. So <laughs> if, you, if you like, run it, smash mouth, pound it down your throat, football. Michigan's your squad. If you want to see some basketball on grass and some people getting lit up, uh, Ohio State's probably more your favor there. So uh, they've got that. They still bring back most of their defensive line, uh, which were is a group that they had. Um, some highly very very highly rated recruits I think most of these kids were in the top five two years ago and um, they've all got sick trucks and been hooked up with by Mark Wahlberg there on NIL deals at the local car dealership uh, so they're paid well Jack Knowles is back again at defensive coordinator I do expect Ohio State to still be pretty good this year um, I think their biggest hang up like we said for Michigan, uh, as easy as their schedule is, Ohio State has four four tough road games, I think, for them this year. Uh, they go to Notre Dame, to Purdue, at Wisconsin, and at Michigan. So, um, you know, by virtue of having to play those games, you got an inexperienced quarterback, you know, stuff can happen. So it's, it's a, lot of, a lot of opportunities for them to trip up, probably more so than Michigan. And, you know, do you think, you know, Larry, your boy for the past two years, I want to get your thoughts on Trevion Henderson and what your thoughts are overall on Ohio State. Uh, I love him. Absolutely love him. Um, I don't, I don't understand the Kyle McCord. I don't, people are like, they're just pushing him down. I don't understand. He could be way better than JJ McCarthy. JJ McCarthy doesn't throw the ball more than like 25 times a game. Kyle McCord could come on here and throw 40 times a game. And Ohio State will be putting up 56 per game. I there's I don't have much doubt that that's going to happen. The weapons that he has, BCB said it, but Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best player in college football, in my mind. He is the best player. Um, also, Mecca Buka, uh, Julian Fleming, they, they have stud receivers 
Ohio is wide receiver U. It has been for the last decade. Um, that's not it's not gonna it's not changing. They have probably five different five star receivers ready to go. They they also Trevion Henderson is back. He's healthy. They still have my Mayan Williams um, and Cade Stover, the tight end. Um, I I just I see them rolling. Brian Hartline is now taking over the play calling, which he probably did a little bit of it last year, but he's officially the OC. Um, I think so. The offensive line is a question mark. Both of their tackles got drafted pretty highly in the NFL draft. Um, some concerns a little bit with the O-line, at least at the tackle spot. Um, but I, I still think they're going to roll. Unlike Michigan, Ohio State actually challenges themselves with their out-of-conference uh, schedule. Like going to Notre Dame and beating Notre Dame, that will be a huge win heading into conference play for them. Um, and I, they actually challenge themselves. Michigan just playing cupcakes for the first three weeks um, and just running all over them. I, are you actually challenging yourself? Because I do think end of the season, like the at Penn State, and that 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 last three games for Michigan is going to be very challenging, um, especially for the type of football they play. I guess my biggest thing, Ohio State needs to get pressure from their front seven, where Jim Knowles runs a 4-2-5, which is crazy to me, but whatever. Um, they have to get pressure from that front seven. And like BCB said, they, they have Jack Sawyer coming back, JT, uh, Talamula, something like that. Uh, they have a combined 13 and a half sacks. And then uh, they one of the best linebackers in, the, in college football, Tommy uh, Eckelberg also coming back. Um, I think they just got to be able to stop the run. Um, they'll be able to put up points. They just got to be able to stop the run when it comes to Penn State and Michigan. I think you guys made my point for me. So as you guys mentioned, they lose three on the offensive line this year. If you look at the history of Ohio State quarterbacks, while I haven't been mobile mobile, they've been able to at least get out of the pocket. McCord, who I think all signs are pointing to being the pocket passer and the quarterback to start the year, he's not going to be the one to get out of the pocket, make moves. And if you lose three on the O-line, including Paris Johnson, I think the number three overall pick, a great left tackle, that's going to present a problem to me. So I think they're going to balance it out a little bit. Even though they have the best wide receiver core in the nation, I honestly think Travion Henderson is going to get more carries this year, and they're going to have a more balanced offense. The last thing I'll mention is on the defensive side of the ball, their secondary ain't it. Clifford, when they played Penn State last year, threw three picks. You would think just seeing that, that's you know huge for the Ohio State secondary. Well, on the flip side, he also threw for 371. That's a problem there. That means they're either biting too much and giving up the deep play. They're not disciplined. That's a concern for me. On the flip side, like Larry mentioned, their D-line is solid, going to be able to put pressure on the quarterback where those corners will be able to push up. So I'm not as high on Ohio State. I think, as I've mentioned in the past, in college football, if you're, your quarterback is the biggest position, means the most out of any, any sport, I think, across the board. And I don't think McCord's it. But on to the next one. We talked a little bit about Clifford. Larry, want to get your thoughts on Penn State. Uh, Penn State, um, Sean Clifford's gone after being there for 10 years. Um, they're moving to Drew Allard, who there's a lot of high hopes for, but like once Penn State had a good quarterback, um, never. They do have 14, 14 returning starters. They also have a dual-headed backfield that is going to be very good. Um, Nichols Singleton and Caton Allen, uh, they'll probably both rush for over a thousand yards. Um, they're very similar to Michigan. Their defense is going to be stout. Um, they do have to go to Ohio state late, but they get Michigan at home. Um, I think I, I think Penn state, Ohio state, Michigan could all split and all be like one loss teams somehow. 
and that just creates madness. And that's, that's what I want. Yeah. So I'll hop in here next. I think Larry kind of hit on it. Their one tough road game is at Ohio state. They get Iowa at home. You kind of missed that one, Larry. They get Michigan at home. They get West Virginia to start the year at home. That's big. Drew Allar is a five-star quarterback. I have huge hopes for him. I think he's going to be great. Again, Larry, you mentioned they have a dual running back system. They were freshmen last year. They're only going to get better. Their wide receivers are a little trash. That's a little bit of concern. But they have 14 returning starters. That's huge, I think, for the amount that they put up last year with Clifford as their quarterback, who I was never very high on. 14 returning starters coming back to play. Um, you know, I have high hopes for them. I think, you know, overall, they're a good team. I think James Franklin, believe it or not, is a good coach. BCB, what do you think? Yeah, so come in, we talked about Ohio State uh, losing Paris Johnson. Um, Penn State actually returns the best left tackle in the Big Ten now, probably the best left tackle in college football um, in, in Olu Fashanu. So that they're stout up front. They did lose some others. They have about 66 career starts right now on the offensive line. So it's solid. They've got, got some experience back. Did lose three of their best four wide receivers from last year. Hit the portal. Uh, got a kid who's really talented, if you like, Maxion. Um, got a kid by the name of Dante Cephas from Kent State to come in and play wide receiver for him this year. So I think he'll make an impact. Uh, to, to what extent, it's always kind of hard, right? You're moving from the MAC to the Big Ten on a weekly basis. It's kind of like the AAA to, uh, you know, AAA to the major leagues move there. Drew Aller, uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, he's, you know, he's a big kid. He's 6'5", 230, can throw the ball well. At a 58% completion percentage last year, didn't throw an interception um, and some limited experience. So those signs all look promising. The problem that I've had with Penn State and believing that kid's the truth is uh, you always look at Penn State and everyone's like, man, if they just had like a big pro-style quarterback, you know, they, they would be set to go. Well, they had a kid who went like 34th in the draft. Uh, they couldn't get on the field there and went to Kentucky. So now they've got this Drew Aller kid. I'm, I'm old enough to remember Christian Hackenberg was supposedly the next big thing at one point uh, coming in there. And then by the time he made it to the NFL, the scouts were saying that he couldn't throw the ball into the ocean if he was standing on the beach. So we'll see how Drew Aller progresses. I think with young quarterbacks, you never really know, and they usually get overhyped. Um, so that's, it's usually one thing I stay a little more cautious of. On the defensive side of the football, I think they're going to be fine. So that's that's at least one thing. We'll see if they figure it out. Nick Singleton, probably one of the best running backs in the country, an amazing talent. Uh, Big Ten East is stacked with running back talent. Also find it kind of interesting, like you said, they only play – they play four true road games. Um, and then to end the season, they play – act, it's actually a neutral site game with Michigan State um, up in Detroit. So they'll I imagine that will be at Ford Field. But – Kind of interesting there that uh, they only play. So out of the last five games, they only play one true road game, and that's at Maryland. So um, if if uh, like I said they got to go to Ohio State, that's going to be kind of their their uh, their pivot game there. If they win that, then the game against Michigan in November has a big chance, and that's a game they get at home. So that's what's up. I, I learned I learned that during this research. I I didn't know Will Levis. He got recruited by Penn State and just sat on the bench for a couple of years. <laughs> Dude, when, he, when he got in, he was awful. Like, he was. That's crazy. No, shout out Kerry Collins. We we're talking Penn State pocket passers. Just want to call that one out. All right. So let's take a big leap down from the power three right there. We're going to talk a little bit about Michigan State. And I'll start us off here. What a shit show. Um, you know, from where they were what was it, two years ago with Kenneth Walker, just beating Michigan, taking down teams left and right. I think they went 11-2. and two. Now you got Peyton Thorne, Keon Coleman, number one wide receiver, transfer out. Noah Kim's our new QB. He's a three-star quarterback. I watched some tape on him on 24-7. Nothing popped off. Obviously, I'm no scout, but didn't look anything special. They do have a solid offensive line, okay running backs. The problem on the flip side of the ball is in the past two years, they've been 101 and 111 in defense in the last two years in the Big Ten, where predominantly teams don't throw up big offenses. And you can see, you know, your defense is taking advantage of that. Their secondary is still young. They're bad. The D line's okay. I don't see much from Michigan State. I don't see them turning it around anytime soon. 
Larry, let me get your thoughts on this one. All right, they're going to get waxed by the three teams we just talked about. <laughs> well, let's take a look at their schedule real quick. Uh, they do go at Iowa, at Minnesota, at Ohio State. They get Michigan at home, but and what they have to play Washington at home as an out of conference. Going to be tough. Yeah, wow. they only have they only have three true home games in conference play this year. So, <laughs> because by virtue of what we just said about Penn State, that that last game oh, being yep, yep. the last game's a neutral site. So if you look at it from October 28th, so they go at Minnesota, November 4th, they get Nebraska at home, but then they're at Ohio State, at Indiana, and then neutral site to end the season. So um, very much kind of the opposite from a scheduling standpoint of what Penn State had. All right, so let's move it along to Maryland. One of my favorite teams from last year, BCB, want to kick us off here? Yeah, we'll go ahead and take a look here at Maryland. Um, actually, one thing real quick I'll add to Michigan oh, State. Yeah. Um, so has, does any country, is any team in the country had buyer's remorse on a contract extension quicker than <laughs> Michigan State's had with Mel Tucker? Uh, you look at it, they've had a losing season now two of their past three years okay. uh, when they had the Kenneth and they have, they have no experience at quarterback. I guess Jalen Berger is kind of a nice player at running back, but he's not in the realm of the other three guys that we've talked about. Sure. So uh, yeah, be interesting to see. They they do have some experience back on the offensive line, but they're going to need to improve a lot on defense. I think Michigan State will. But yeah, to kind of to move it along here, I'll go ahead and, and jump in on uh, Maryland. So we got Mike Loxley coming back. He's in his uh, fifth year here at Maryland. Uh, they're led by Talia Tagovailoa, who was a very exciting quarterback to watch. I don't I don't know the kid's any good, but he's like one of those guys that'll throw it down the field and try and make a play if nothing else is available and it uh he'll be record or checkered sometimes so at the very least it leads to uh, a very exciting brand of football they add a kid who was one of my favorite g5 players comes in from florida international wide receiver tyrese chambers uh very much kind of a uh, uh he's a little bit bigger than he was but it kind of reminded me a little bit of ty hilton when he was at fiu back in the day where you had their offense was terrible and they had one kid who was really dynamic so now he gets to come over here uh, to Maryland and, you know, we'll see, maybe make an impact. Uh, I think he's got a chance to, to be a really exciting player. From what I can see here, um, it looks like they, they have six starters back on a defense that wasn't very good um, from last year. So, yeah, we'll see if they, they improve. Like I said, Maryland's kind of been one of those teams the last few years. I mentioned it last year when we did the preview. Um, they either they either get blown out or they beat you outright. So <laughs> they're, they're very much a money line team uh, in that regard. Do have They do kind of have a little bit of a tougher, tougher out-of-conference schedule here where they do play Virginia on a Friday night but get it at home. So. Yep. Um, and they got to go to Ohio State, but they they played Ohio State really tough at home last year. So we'll see if Loxley can make the the step forward. It's just they're firmly, I think they're you know they're firmly behind the other three schools. But they've kind of got the ingredients here to to play spoiler to, to one of the big boys on any given Saturday. Percent agree, Larry. What do you think? Uh yeah, not not much to add on there. Um, uh, Tug of Viola like. We're going to see the three interception games. We're going to see the five touchdown games. I do agree. I'll be, I'll be picking one week for them probably to outright beat one, one of the better teams. I don't know if it'll be the big three, but um, at least cover some spreads. Um, but they'll, they're definitely going to upset someone. They'll probably beat like Nebraska. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I'm a huge fan of Tola Tola Kavola. can never say his name, but have been for three years. The problem in year one was he got sacked too much, never had time. Last year was the year he had a full starting line. I had big faith in the Terrapins. You know, they, they did well. I think they beat their uh, win average for the year. But this year we have four new starters on the offense line. That's a little concerning. Uh, the wide receivers, new wide receivers come from the portal. One name I want you guys to remember is Roman Hemby. He's a freshman running back for them last year. I think he had eight, 900 yards as a freshman. He's getting better and better as the season went on. I expect big things from him coming this year. So hopefully a little bit more of a balanced approach. 
And as BCB mentioned, ton of transfers on the defense coming in. So that's always going to be tough to put the pressure on Tagovoya to, you know, put the ball in the air, you know, disregard the run and actually have to throw the ball just to stay in the game. So little concern there, but the guy, he's already Maryland's number one passer in school history. So props to him. Always a big fan. Uh, I'll definitely be taking him on some money line bets. Yeah, one thing I'll add to that I, I kind of found here going through their research. So an interesting footnote, obviously, with the trans. Uh, but they did. This is the first time I've seen it. They added an offensive lineman who was uh, an All-American at Division II last year and actually had an invite to the Senior Bowl. Um, so he, he could have had the opportunity, you know, to maybe play for a pro career. Well, now with NIL, it looks like Maryland ponied up some money and <laughs> got the kid to come to Maryland for a year uh, to start for him. So that'll be interesting to watch because that's kind of the one thing I think it's easier for to step up from from competition, from, you know, going from from a level like, you know, we're not even talking FCS. We're talking D2 uh, off the Power 5 Big Ten football. So looks like the kid's going to start for him this year. I'm, ex I'm excited to see how that, that plays out. You know who loves drafting those guys? Bill Belichick. Oh yeah, Bill Belichick loves drafting. He's already got awesome. him for twenty twenty. Tennessee, Chattanooga, and yeah. D two guys like give him a lineman, give him a lineman that just knows technique and is big. He'll he'll scoop him right up. He'll take him right from there. So Larry, tell us a little bit. We're gonna move a little bit on to Indiana University. Nothing, nothing to talk about. They'll win three games, if that. ECB, tell us what you know. All right. So I do know a little bit about this team with them being in my backyard. So I, I've got to retract the Mel Tucker statement already because I, you had to have instant buyer's remorse with the Tom Allen extension uh, <laughs> because the guy's getting paid somewhere in the ballpark of $6 million to go two and 10 and four and eight uh, the last two years. And uh, even a, a local reporter here kind of phrased it as, you know, what does what does Tom Allen do that any other head coach in the country can't, right? So this is kind of a shtick. He's running around, he's high-fiving people, and he's kind of a glorified high school coach. Um, I will give him credit, though. Usually, like in the transfer portal, he, he takes a few of the guys that couldn't cut it at Ole Miss every year. So he's helping us keep the roster churning uh, <laughs> to, to get some good players coming in. Interesting note, they do add Taven Jackson, uh, who was a local kid that played quarterback at Tennessee, is the younger brother of Trace Jackson Davis uh, from the basketball team. So the, the Jacksons still run IU down there. Uh, going through the roster, they're, they're not very good. Um, <laughs> like they do get, do get uh, EJ Williams, a kid who uh, transferred in from Clemson. So it's, it's this weird, weird kind of mixture on their roster of – Usually when you get into the portal, right, there's a couple different things. You're, you're looking to, to maximize your value and either you've performed and excelled somewhere and you're looking to, to do it on a bigger stage or you just couldn't get on the field and you're trying to find some place that you can. Uh, they they tend to get more of the second, uh, <laughs> second group of kids. So um, on defense, they did add a kid named Andre Carter from Western Michigan, though, who was being recruited uh, actively by SEC school. So that was a big win for him. So going to assume that's probably their best defensive player this year. They have a tough schedule. They play Ohio State at home uh, to start the year, and then they play Louisville um, at Lucas Oil and Indy in week three. So they got a couple couple tough games there uh, to start off the year, and then they close the season at Purdue uh, and make trips to Michigan and Penn State in October. So, uh, yeah, probably more of the same, probably three to four wins here if I, if I had to guess for IU. I mean, so here's my thing. I looked at Tavon Jackson. He's four-star quarterback. Like you mentioned, he's from Indiana. Dude, he was lights out in high school. Again, I watched his, some of his tape on 24-7. Looked good for me. The other thing I'll mention is they do have a solid running back room, and they have a new offensive line coach who comes from Wisconsin, who's known for producing offensive linemen left and right. So that's a big one. Last thing I'll mention, they have an All-American kick returner, and he's returning back this year. So as an Iowa fan, I'm always a big fan of special teams. So we'll see if that ever makes a difference. But Tavon Jackson, if he gets to start, I know he's competing against some other kid. But if if you don't start this man, Tom Allen, then I don't know what you're doing. But how big? I mean, he's got to be his brother's like six, eight. So, yeah, they have Taven listed as six, three, 200. Um, 
So yeah. I think he's a little smaller and skinnier than that. I had heard, so I had actually heard when he went, because he was at Tennessee, and then so he was behind Milton and Hendon Hooker last year. Yeah. I had heard at one point through people connected to, because he went to high school here locally as well too. So I had heard that it, at one point he was going to, to play cornerback um, at Tennessee, oh, but sure. that obviously ended up not being the case. I mean, he was a four-star kid out of, out of high school. He, he was, he was a good recruit and uh, yeah, he played for one of the best teams here in the state. They've won state uh, a few times at, at center Grove. So I don't know. It, it's kind of a cool storyline. We'll see whether, you know, he can do it or not. He's probably better. He's not going to be worse than Jack Tuttle or some of the other kids that they've rolled out at quarterback the last few years. So uh, I, like you said, it, it's technically a position battle. Um, I would be shocked if he doesn't start that Ohio State game. 100% agree. All right, I'll finish out the West with, or excuse me, the East with Rutgers. Um, you know, all I got off them pretty quick here, they're going with Wimsall at QB. He started the last five games of the year and was just absolutely terrible. I think he had 43% completion percentage, was just not good with the ball, not good in the pocket, just a, a terrible quarterback all around. To top it off, they lost their three top wide receivers, two offensive linemen. They do keep Sam Brown the fifth. He's a running back. He's their one bright spot on the offense. But on the flip side, uh, Shiano, always good on the defensive side of the ball. Defense is going to be a strong point. Number of uh, key starters coming back. ECB? Yeah, I think they played Northwestern week one. So um, out of everybody else in the conference, they've got to be the happiest with what's going on with the Northwestern thing because that, <laughs> yeah. that greatly improves their chances of winning. I couldn't believe it uh, when I looked up their roster this year and saw that they had their two top two options were Gavin Wimsat and Evan Simon at quarterback. Two kids that I've seen play quarterback and don't think really have any business being power five starters. Um, at this point, I was like, man, how did out of everybody that went in the portal – uh, you got, you got kids, uh, that are stacking up too deep. You've got, you know, Spencer Sanders, who might end up being the backup at Ole Miss. Like Rutgers couldn't reach out and offer him a starting spot. So, uh, I don't know. They, they need real help. They're not any good on offense. They're probably not going to be any good on offense. Uh, this, I had higher hopes for the Shiano, uh, the second, you know, the Shiano 2.0 tenure here at Rutgers and what it's been looks like more of the same where they're going to win, you know, three or four games maybe. Um, and they're going to struggle to score, which is, isn't where you want to be in modern football. Uh, interesting note I saw too looking through it. So they have Johnny Langan uh, listed as tight end this year, and that's a kid that in the past has played quarterback, running back, and now tight end. <laughs> so he's kind of your NCAA football 14 special of like your athlete where you just move him to a different position every year. Uh, to plug holes so you, you get a real life version of that who knows how he might play quarterback this year with, with this uh this depth chart so all right yeah we'll see they, they got they got a winnable game at northwestern week one and then they play wagner so pencil them in for two and then uh we'll see where the chips fall in the other thir other 10 larry what any thoughts on rutgers mm, nothing i mean they returned seven starters on defense uh They'll be de decent on defense, but like they'll probably struggle to put up 17 points per game. All right. Yeah, their best their best player last year might have been their punter, uh, and he's gone. So <laughs> that is not. They did get another Aussie as a punter. I read so the, yeah. the new guy coming in because yeah, the their punter won the Ray Guy Award or was a finalist. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they brought in a new Aussie. So Chiano and his Aussies. Let's. Oh, go ahead, please. Oh, I'll say 101 career starts, and they do have the former offensive line coach of the New York Giants. So uh, this might be if you like if you like old school football, but you don't like teams that score, so you don't want to watch Michigan. Rutgers might be your uh, your <laughs> your degenerate special there <laughs> where you're watching them. A lot of unders on this team, probably. Though. They're probably going to be an under team this year. 100%. <laughs> All right, let's flip it over to the West to our future national champions. I'll start us off here with the Iowa Hawkeyes. So let's kick it off. Last year, as we know, I'm going to spend just a little bit of time here. You know, we have a terrible offense, top five defense, I think, in the nation. We finally have our quarterback, uh, Caden McNamara, coming over from Michigan. Very pumped for that. All five return on the offensive line, and we have Caleb Johnson at running back. Super pumped for that. If you look back two years when we had, you know, our all-star tight end duo combination, 
we're having the same thing this year. Luke Lachey and Eric Gall, another transfer from Michigan. That's going to be a huge part of our offense because we don't really have any playmakers at wide receiver. On the defensive side of the ball, Cooper DeJean, future first-round pick, uh, all three of his interceptions last year returned for touchdowns. We have three multi-year starters on the front seven. That's a big key, I think, where we can continue to put pressure on the ball. Even though we lost Luca Van Ness, we lost Jack Campbell, we have the players to come back in. We had a lot of transfers come in to help the defense. Xavier Nawanka, I can't say his last name, five-star recruit. He was one of our highest recruits we ever got. He's finally starting at free safety over Carrion Mayweather, who went to the NFL. And our special teams is the best in the country. Everything I'm seeing is that we are projected to be the number one defense in the country this year. I'll let either of you two start because I think, you know, you both have great things to say about Iowa. Larry, you want me to go? Yeah. Nope. yeah. Obviously, obviously uh, Bubs here is the, the resident uh, Iowa expert. So try and try and piggyback off that. I will say this. So looking at the Iowa team, um, it's the first time that I've seen a kid when I was going through the quarterback depth chart who has started 31 games listed as fourth string. So if you, if you, <laughs> hate, if you hate, if you hate sicko football and terrible offense, good news. It looks like Spence, uh, Spencer Petras has been put the pasture here um, <laughs> at Iowa with, with the transfer in of Cade McNamara. I don't know. Their wide receivers are a wild card. Uh, doesn't look like they're very good at that position. I'm interested to see what Caleb Brown does, though, at least just by virtue of taking a kid that transfers in from Ohio State who plays wide receiver. Yep. Uh, they've been pretty good at identifying wide receivers. There was a kid that couldn't really get on the field for Ohio State, so he decided to go to a small school in Alabama a couple of years ago. Uh, his name was Jamison Williams. He turned out okay. So we'll see see how it goes for Caleb Brown. I know he's a little bit of a smaller receiver. I'm a huge fan of Eric All, uh, the tight end. I really like him at Michigan. think he's a nice player. I was a big pickup for Iowa. So um, it's kind of it, – it's like one of those things, the, the James Franco meme from the interview movie where he's like same, same, but different, but still same. Like that's kind of how I feel about Iowa where they're just a little bit better on offense than they, they had been. And yeah. for all that we talk about them being a terrible offensive football team, they won eight games last year. So <laughs> if they're just – above average um they've got a great home environment uh it, it looks to, to pick up um you know they've got a real shot to win it as much as i would hate to tell bubs that uh, <laughs> they get also they get to play northwestern at wrigley field which is super cool um, i'm a huge fan of like traditional football so i'm a huge fan of of anytime you get to go to to one of the original nfl sites and play it at a baseball stadium so i don't know are you going to be at that game I'm already looking at tickets. I'm trying to find some people to go, but yeah, that's the game plan. That'll be a cool, yeah. And now it looks like that's probably going to be a W if Northwestern still fields a team um, if they're not <laughs> locked up or in the portal. So, <laughs> Larry, what do you got about Iowa? Uh, the offense has to be better. Uh, there's just, they can't regress anymore. Uh, Brian Ferentz is a terrible offensive coordinator. Um, Sam Laporta was Sam Laporta was an absolute stud last year, and they just wasted him, just wasted talent. Um, but I do think big upgrades, like you guys said, at quarterback. Um, I do have high hopes for your running back, Caleb Johnson. Um, I think he's a rising star, um, and I, I that defense is they'll show up. I, they obviously lost Jack Campbell, uh, Van Ness, and another stud corner that they had. Um, but they'll, they'll, they'll be all right. Um, they'll be competing for the West title for sure at Penn state's a tough draw. Uh, that's, that's a tough draw. Is that a night game too? Yep. That's, that's just a tough, tough place to go to happy Valley. Um, but the rest, I would say Illinois is going to be tough and, um, Wisconsin away. Wisconsin. Yeah, Wisconsin. Wisconsin's the make or break game, I think, on that. I do have an issue with uh, Cyhawk not being on Thanksgiving. No, that's uh, Nebraska is always on Thanksgiving. It's the day after Thanksgiving. It's on Black Friday. Yeah, no, but I still think it should be rivalry week. I just okay, well, it'd be more fun. But yeah, is Nebraska is Nebraska really Iowa's rival? 
I didn't, I mean, cross border, so nothing crazy, but the only other thing I'll add to this is that the reason why I'm Ohio and Iowa outside of the reasons I mentioned is just like Penn state. They're a product of their schedule. We don't have to play Michigan. We don't have to play Ohio state. Yes, we do have to go to Penn state and Wisconsin. So that'll be tough, but knocking out those two, I mean, that's only going to help our chances, but enough about our future national champs. Larry, we're going to turn to you to talk a little yeah, bit. Add, I was going to add real quick on yeah, uh, thanks, Iowa, too. Yeah, yeah, Iowa. Um, so, again, another shout-out. They got a kid from a school named Saginaw Valley that transferred in to be an offensive lineman. So, shout-out, small school uh, offensive lineman. And I'll just say that I do love, for as much as I, I hate uh, Iowa's nepotism um, at the offensive coordinator position, I do love the fact that their program, year in and year out, you don't even have to look at a preview magazine. You can ask me about Iowa football, and I'll be like, I guarantee you they're good on offensive line and defensive line, <laughs> and they they are. So I appreciate the uh, the dedication to that. They actually have an identity that their program's built on. Uh, I think some other people can kind of take notes uh, from that. But I, I think they got a real shot this year. Like you said, the, the out-of-conference, they get Western Michigan and Utah State, which should be a couple easy dubs. So Sure. That's a great, great transition to Wisconsin because Wisconsin is changing its identity. Yeah, completely. Oh. So first year coach Luke Fickle comes in from Cincinnati. He brings in the offensive quarter, coordinator Lugo from UNC. We're going full air raid. I love Wisconsin. Love them. I've liked Tanner Mordecai now for probably three years at SMU. I, I think the kid's a stud. Um, Braylon Allen, he's he's coming in on his third year. His first two years, over a thousand yard rushing. They're still gonna have the big boys up front blocking, but Tanner Mordecai just gives them a different weapon at quarterback. Um, I couldn't be higher on this change. Um, it may take some time, but that offensive line is gonna give Mordecai time. Braylon Edwards is I, – I, he's probably a Heisman Heisman candidate for sure. Um, and I, I think they win the West. Um, I think they hold beat – Hold off on your picks. Um, yep. But keep going, keep going, keep going. Love them. Absolutely love them. Okay. BCB? Yeah, so Tanner Mordecai is a kid that I would, I would classify as like an above-average college football quarterback. And he is the best quarterback that Wisconsin's had in quite some time. So uh, probably since since Russell Wilson, um, in all honesty, going back to that, uh, they have, that's a, a position they haven't only just been bad at. I, I would say they've been downright deficient at the quarterback position. Uh, to reinforce it, they also got a kid who was a four-star recruit named Nick Evers uh, that transfers in from Oklahoma. So I think they're really good at the quarterback position. I know Mordecai had been banged up a little bit the last couple of years at SMU, I believe. So even if he does miss some games, I expect Nick Evers to be a big player for him and, and even be the kind of the future uh, at the quarterback position there. So I think it's their quarterback positions in uh, in better in a better position than it has been um, in quite some time. Also, like you said, you've got Braylon Allen. They also have another running back on the roster, a talented kid by the name of Ches Malusi, uh, who's who's still there. So ironically, they're going to the air raid. They have two really good, really good running backs. So yeah. I'm interested to see what the offense looks like. Cause like you said, Wisconsin's from a brand standpoint, it's kind of been Iowa, you know, they're the big up front. They're going to run all over you. Now they're going to go throw the ball around. Uh, we'll see how that looks, you know, in November when they're playing at Minnesota and they have a, a late home game against Nebraska um, in the snow, but yeah, interesting to see um, the schedule's not incredibly difficult. They do go to Washington state though, week two. So that that could be a very uh, very interesting game. They do play Buffalo Week One. Um, probably should win that. And then also too, Week Three they get Georgia Southern at home. Uh, Georgia Southern went into Nebraska and won last year on the road. Uh, coached by Clay Helton, formerly a USC. So that that's a tough game for him, I think. Uh, starting off, so we'll see. You know, uh, Luke Fickle uh, coming in here from from Cincinnati finally took the the big job. Yep. Let's see what happens. Yeah, the only thing I'll add to that is, I mean, on top of that, they don't get to miss out on Michigan and Ohio State, just Michigan. They do have to play Ohio State. They do get them at home. But the only other things I'll mention is that, yeah, they're going to the air raid. They had four wide receivers in the portal. That's a big thing. On their defensive side of the ball, they have eight returning starters. But to Larry's point, 
They're changing their identity. They're running a 3-3-5 this year. They brought in Cincy's defensive coordinator. I know they brought in Phil Longo with the air raid from UNC, but from a, a defensive side of the ball, they brought Luke brought in his boy, and they're running a 3-3-5 this year. So I don't know how that's going to play out in Big Ten football. So, Larry, I agree, you know, 100% changing their identity. I think it might take some time for them to get used to this. I'm scared of them three years from now. Right now, I don't know. Moving along, uh, BCB, kick us off on some Minnesota Gophers here. We're going to row the boats now. So uh, we got PJ Fleck coming in here. Uh, seventh year now that he's been at Minnesota. So <laughs> it's uh, crazy to think that it's been that long. Uh, they come back here. They've got, you know, seven starters coming back on offense, uh, six on defense. And, you know, kick the season off again. They get so they're on the Thursday night. So they they get to play that Thursday night game uh, against Nebraska at the end of August um, is going to be their first one. Luckily, that's a home game for them. They do have a road game at North Carolina in September. So that's that's an awfully tough game there. Um, according to Phil Steele, they're ranked seventh in schedule difficulty. So they don't get the breaks others do. Uh, they do go to Purdue and Ohio State back-to-back -back in November as well and then play at Iowa in October. So not the easiest of schedules for them. Um, they've got a quarterback who I'm not as familiar with here, uh, Athen Kalakamanis. Uh, there's a kid with a Greek last name. <laughs> it looks like not a lot of production. Uh, I'm not sure what this team's going to look like from an offensive standpoint. I think they're a team that uh, has kind of struggled on offense before in the past. Mm -hmm. um, last year, for example, they uh, it looks like here they averaged about uh, 182 yards of uh, passing offense last year. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't know that they improve on that. I don't know that they really have the ability. It doesn't look like on paper anyway they're going to be a prolific offense. Uh, but P.J. Fleck finds ways to grind them out and get you wins. So tough, tough to count them out. Uh, they do play Eastern Michigan and uh, Louisiana at home. I'd imagine they'll take care of business on those games. But uh, the rest of the schedule is not easy. Yeah, so I'll hop in next real quick. As you guys mentioned, no Tanner Morgan, no Mo Ibrahim. But I did watch Athen Kalkamakinis, whatever. Uh, he beat Wisconsin last year. He was the starter against Wisconsin to end the year last year and won. Everything I watched during that game, I, I, I could have swore I saw Baker Mayfield in a Minnesota go for a uniform. Guy killed it. They still have their great wide receivers that came back. Problem is, though, three offensive linemen are gone, pre, but they do have a preseason All-American tight end. And then on the flip side of the ball, secondary, they've lost basically everybody. Their D-line's terrible. I don't see them getting any pressure, so – this could be an over team that I see, but that Athen kid, he's a four-star quarterback. From what I saw in the one game against Wisconsin, dude balled out. Larry, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree that losing three stars on offensive line, which was an excellent offensive line last year, really hurts, especially the All-American center. Um, that's just a tough that, that changes the dynamics there on that offensive line. And they're only returning five starters on defense on a very good defense that held teams under 14 points last year. Uh, the cross and the schedule is just not friendly. They, they catch Michigan and they, they're, they get Michigan at home and they have to go to Ohio State. So it's just not a friendly crossover schedule for a, a team that's replacing players at both sides of the ball at all levels true okay uh next up on the board we got illinois i'll go ahead and kick us off here uh first off their deep coordinator what they were good at last year what they ex excelled at last year is now the head coach at purdue so that's a big loss bcb uh you're uh, I'll, i want to continue on but i just want to get your thoughts on their new quarterback luke altmeyer <laughs> luke yeah i'll be rooting for the kid uh apparently <laughs> he's a great kid um, didn't transfers in from Ole Miss. He was a four-star recruit. Uh, if you believe Lane Kiffin, he was ahead at one point in the competition. They actually sent him to the, uh, the Manning camp last year, as opposed to Jackson Dart as their starter before the season. So, uh, Luke played a couple games, got a little banged up, but Jackson Dart, uh, eventually pulled ahead. Uh, I think he's a game manager type right now. He unfortunately had to play that sugar bowl where Matt Corral got hurt. Uh, I think it was his first 
first real game experience. Uh, and he threw a pick six that basically put the nail in the coffin and wasn't able to, to get anything going. But, um, I, I, you know, I think he could be a really nice player, a really nice player for him here now that he's had an offseason to kind of come in, be the starter, uh, get an offense kind of built around him. So, although he's not playing for Ole Miss anymore, he's a kid I will be rooting for. So, probably sentimentally my favorite quarterback in the Big Ten. Love it. Are there any things I'll finish up with real quick? You know, that if he gets injured a lot, at least both their tackles and a guard return, so that's always a positive. Their wide receivers are good. They did lose Chase Brown, which was a stud last year, so they're going running back by committee this year. And they are going to have a solid D again. Their secondary was demolished either by the portal, graduation, or drafted. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, obviously with always a first-year head coach, um, you know, how they go. Not a first-year head coach, excuse me, but – with their defensive coordinator gone, how that defense, which really took them to the promised land last year, how that's going to operate. Uh, BCB, do you want to finish up on them real quick? Any other things? Yeah, so that, yeah, to kind of tie in the BCB ties as well. They So their second string quarterback, or the kid I imagine will be their second string, is also a transfer that they added from Ball State. So, hey. uh, <laughs> yeah, so we got Ole Miss and Ball State at quarterback there. Uh, yeah, no, I think, you know, Isaiah Williams uh, at wide receivers, an incredibly talented player, very fun to watch. Um, still, for me, last year, I don't know how they lost the Indiana game. That's the most puzzle, one of the most puzzling results uh, of football last year was them losing to Indiana. Um, I think, you know, Brett Belima is one of those guys that I don't doubt him, right? Like, coming into the year, whether they they don't return as much, um, he usually kind of figures out a way for them to be competitive. They were kind of a surprise team last year. But I think that was a, a good a good year for them. Um, they'll, they'll build on that. I think I think Luke has probably got the potential to be better than any quarterback that they played last year. So um, that, that could be a step forward. Reggie Love, a running back, a nice player. And like I said, they got Isaiah Williams, um, Patrick Bryant, a wide receiver. So – I think, you know, and on the offensive line as well, too, um, they're down to about 55 starts, but I think they got two or three guys back that have starting experience. So, Brett Belima, another guy that's big up front on both sides of the ball, and then let it see where, you know, let the chips uh, lay where they may. Devin Weatherspoon, losing him is a big loss, I think, but uh, they, they've got to find a way. I mean, that, that's kind of the new, whether by portal or by draft, you know, losing star players is a, is a new normal for college football. So you got to find a way to, re to replace it. Larry, anything else to add there? Uh, not much. I mean, they still have a strong, strong front on the defensive end. They had two players coming back that had 26 tackles for a loss last year, uh, Randolph Jr. and Newton. Um, the, I mean, it's, it's their DNA. They'll play upset at some point right. in conference play. Uh, not sure when or who it will be, um, but they they'll play upset. I don't I don't know if they'll exceed their eight wins last year. Um, it's just tough with all the turnover, but they'll still have a good season. I think they're better than Minnesota. I don't know why Minnesota was ranked ahead of them in the West. Um, I think Illinois is better than Minnesota. All right. One one note I'll add too: they do return the most all conference players of any team. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so if you include honorable mentions, they have 10 kids back that were all Big Ten. Um, and then they're probably a little better at the quarterback position. And they have a sneaky good out-of-conference game week two. They go to Kansas, which you don't really think, you know, Illinois-Kansas football being a good game. <laughs> I, think, I think that's going to be – that's probably going to be a solid football game that weekend. Hell, yeah. No, I agree. Well, let, let's flip the, flip the scripts. BCB, I know, you know, in the chat – you wanted to talk a little bit about Purdue, or I heard you chirping a little bit about him. So go ahead and state your case here. Yeah. So you get Ryan Walters, uh, young head coach or young guy coming in as a head coach, uh, very accomplished as a defensive coordinator. So they added, uh, you were a big Texas guy last year. They went out and got Hudson card uh, from the transfer portal after they did lose Aiden O'Connell and, and Brady Allen, um, which Brady was a, a solid prospect. He's at Louisville now. I believe Aiden, Aiden O'Connell's in the NFL uh, with the Raiders. So, uh, but I think Hudson Card, a kid that, you know, some people thought was probably maybe was a better player uh, at the time last year than Quinn Ewers. Um, just couldn't hold the job down, had struggled with some injuries. So 
they get him. Uh, they've got Devin Maccabee back at running back, and they a guy who goes by Crazy Legs. So you gotta love a team that's got a running back. Uh, <laughs> called, you know, goes by Crazy Legs. You get uh, Gus Hartwig is uh, is back on the offensive line as well too. His dad was uh, NFL center for the the San Diego Chargers, I believe. Uh, Justin Hartwig, NFL center, and played it played at Purdue. Uh, but yeah, I think they're going to take a step forward here. I think defensively, they'll they'll be sound with Ryan Walters coming in. Um, talk about difficult schedules, though. Uh, Phil still has their schedule as the fifth toughest in the country. Uh, the AD did them no favors, so they play. They're out of conference is all the first three weeks. They play Fresno State at home, <laughs> which has been a tough matchup. You go to Virginia Tech week two, uh, tough, and then you come back. You got Syracuse at home, so. They literally play 11 Power 5 schools on a 12-game schedule. Uh, not easy by any means. I think Purdue might be – they might be that uh, Nebraska team, you know, from a couple of years ago that's like the best 3-9 and nine team of all time. Purdue might end up being the best like 5-7 and seven team of all time where they get Ohio State at home and all of a sudden Ohio State's in a war with them in the middle of October. Um, or they're given, you know, like Michigan or Nebraska problems um, mm-hmm. late in the season. So – I'm interested to kind of see how it goes year one. I think obviously it's a new program with uh, Walters. So uh, year one's year one's going to be a little crazy, but I I mean, they were eight and six last year, made it to the big 10 title game. So they've got, they've got some pedigree there on the roster. They've got a nice quarterback. Uh, TJ Sheffield's a really good wide receiver. Let's see what happens for him. Larry, what do you got? I'm excited to see it. I think uh, Walters did a good job with his coaching staff. I'm a big fan of Graham Harrell the new offensive coordinator for them. Loved him as a player for Texas Tech. One of my favorite college football teams ever to watch with Crabtree. Um, rest in peace, Mike, Mike Leach. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, they'll be exciting. I'm excited to see where they go. I think they probably need more time to build this program. Uh, they're only returning four starters, which is tough. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I also think they could play upset at some point. Uh, I think again, I think Graham Harold will be able to coach up Hudson card very well. And I, I think they could have some success. Only thing I'll add to that is, yeah, I like the OC Graham Harrell, especially at Purdue, you know, they're an air raid team in the big 10, which is kind of rare to see. But one other thing is that they moved Tyrone Tracy, a slot running or slot receiver last year, to running back now. So he's going to be a pass catching threat out of the backfield. That'll be interesting. Former Iowa Hawkeye. Um, and yeah, the only other thing I caught from them is that they are moving to a three four. Who Purdue's never been known for defense, so I don't really think that'll make much of a difference. But just interesting little tidbit that I caught there. Yeah, also, I'll say yeah. also too, Ryan Walters, um, even though he's coming in as a head coach, he's still retaining play calling as a defensive coordinator. So, oh, okay. he's still, yeah, he's still going to be calling the defensive plays. So, I dig it. Larry, start us I, off with two teams left. Or, oh, BCB, do you have anything else? Well, no. I just, I thought you meant he was going to call the offensive plays. I was just all confused, but it makes sense. It makes sense that he wants to call his defense. That completely makes sense. Uh, we got two teams left. Larry, start us off with Nebraska. Uh, I'm excited. This is another uh, DNA switch. Uh, Matt Rule, probably be one of BCB's guys, I would assume, uh, had a terrible NFL coaching career, came to the Panthers and maybe won a handful of games. Uh, it was really bad. Um, but, yeah, I mean, don't have a whole lot on them. Um, I, I don't think they're going to be very good in rules first year. I think he's got to recruit his players. Um, they need, they need fast skill guys that he rule had at Baylor to run that offense. And I, I don't think they have that. BCB, what do you got? So I think this is one of the more fascinating rosters, like you said, with Matt rule to kind of touch on his time in the NFL. I was watching an interview with him. Um, and he said that, where he went wrong in the NFL was he was presented a timeline of that he had maybe three to five years to build it. Um, and, in, and in the end, he got fired after two. So he said, you know, hey, you know, if he if he knew that was his timeline, the free agency and the trades and stuff he made might have been a little different. 
Um, but I'm a huge fan of bounce back guys. So like he's gone to Carolina, obviously had a lot of success at Temple and Baylor uh, before coming in. I think his first year at Baylor, they were like one in 11. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know that they'll be that bad this year. They hit the portal. Got Jeff Sims, uh, a quarterback from Georgia Tech, a kid who had been a nice player for Georgia Tech. Um, do add they do add Marcus Washington in a wide receiver who had been at Texas as well, and then they have a kid who's been a complete enigma, uh, Eric Gilbert, who has been a tight end at Georgia. Um, unfortunately, seems to be a young man that has a lot of problems and hasn't been able to really get on the field, so he's kind of the wild card, uh, apparently. Uh, from people who've seen him play and watch him practice and stuff, he's got the ability to be, you know, uh, an NFL tight end and, you know, be a really, really good college football player. Uh, hopefully he's able to put it all together. I don't know what to expect from Nebraska this year, really. Um, you know, they, they come in here, you, you've got year one, they do have 120 career starts on the offensive line. So I expect them to be solid up front. Um, like I said, it kind of feels to me like the roster is just thrown together in year one. Uh, they don't, it's not an easy start either. So their first two games of the season are at Minnesota on a Thursday night, and then they go to Coach Prime in Colorado in week two, uh, in a rivalry game that's going to be a ruckus atmosphere. So uh, we'll see. They, they might get off onto an 0-2 start, but again, they're a team that, that's going to have the chance to play spoiler. Uh, they dodge Ohio State, so we'll see how it goes when they get into the conference portion of the season. All right, I'll be brief. I think Matt Rule is a loser. Um, I think their new OC trying to install a pro-style uh, offense with a fullback with a mobile quarterback is a loser move. I think Nebraska is a loser program. Uh, I will say there's they do have a solid defense. Their top three tacklers return, but Nebraska, loser program, loser fan base. And uh, yeah, we'll wrap it up here with our last team, uh, BC Beast. Uh, end us off with North western well uh looking at it here it's kind of tough to tell uh in light of recent events who may or may not be on this roster <laughs> when they they start so um apparently while northwestern hasn't been very good at football the last couple of years they've won four games combined over the last two seasons uh it appears we have a reason why they were more focused on uh, hazing and <laughs> things of off-field nature uh, than actually winning games. I don't think the roster is any good. Now they don't have a head coach, which is kind of astonishing to me that you have this coaching staff who uh, created an environment that was worthy of getting them fired and has now made national headlines, and you just fire the head coach and keep the rest of the staff. So, <laughs> what, um, you know, what, what does that prove? Uh, but anyway, we'll see. Uh, this is going to be one of the more interesting teams to, uh, to follow this season. They lost uh, home games last year to Miami of Ohio and Southern Illinois. So uh, this year they play UTEP at home in week two. That could be – that's off of a short week two uh, from playing Rutgers week one. They play Howard in October. I would imagine they can probably win that game. But outside of that, the schedule's tough sledding. Um, and then, like we said earlier, that in November, for the kids that are still left on the team, they'll get to play at Wrigley Field, so that's cool. But uh, I think this is going to be a lost year for Northwestern. I tried to search long and hard for some positives for this team. Uh, the only two things I could get is Ben Bryant seems to be uh, a decent quarterback coming from Cincinnati, and their defense has five returning starters. Other than that, hard to find some positives on this team, hard to find some wins outside of the Howard game that VCB mentioned. Uh, that's really all I have. Larry, anything to wrap us up here? I got nothing on them. I mean, they'll win. They'll maybe win two games. I wish I wish someone had broke this information ahead of time so we could take their win total under. Um, but it probably wasn't high anyways. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'll say this. I'll say this too, because this kind of comes up as kind of relevant here with like the transfer portal and the dates and stuff. Um, so from what I can see, if you're a grad school transfer. Um, like if you're a grad transfer, there's really not a time limit. Uh, most of the good players on uh, Northwestern, uh, so it looks like here are all juniors and seniors. So I imagine that's an option to some of those kids. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if there's kind of a mass exodus, uh, mass exodus of kids here. And uh, yeah, we we will see uh, see what happens. But it, it's not looking good for them right now. Not at all. All right, as we're going to do with every conference, we're going to give our conference predictions out. 
So Larry, I want to hear your West, East, and overall championship winner. So Larry, go ahead and do us the honors. Uh, I probably mentioned it earlier, but Wisconsin coming out of the West. Okay. And then Ohio State coming out of the East. And then Ohio State winning and going to the playoff. I do think there'll be another team out of the East that has a chance to be a one-loss team that makes the college football playoff this year. I'll go next. Um, my theme is product of the schedule. Uh, as Larry mentioned, I think the West is going to beat up on each other. I think the West, there won't be an undefeated West team. I mean, yeah, no, I don't think there'll be an undefeated West team. So my pick out of the, or excuse me, on the East, there won't be an undefeated East team. Uh, so my pick out of the East is Penn State, product of the schedule. My pick out of the West is the Iowa Hawkeyes, product of the schedule. Coming together in the Big Ten Championship, as much as it pains me to say it, I got the Hawkeyes winning it all. So, surprise, surprise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so here, give me, give me Michigan out of the East. Like I said, I think it's probably Hardball's time to shine now. I'm also not the biggest Ryan Day guy. Uh, I know people talk about him being 45 and six or whatever the hell it is, but the dude's favored by 14 points at least in every single game. So, um, you know, when you've got a huge talent advantage, you usually win games. Um, but yeah, Mich Michigan gets the, the game at home this year against Ohio State as well, too. So that was a deciding factor for me there. I hate to say it coming out of the West. I am going to pick the Hawkeyes um, in the conference championship game. We saw this game in 2021. I expect more of the same. It'll probably be about 42-3 Michigan. Uh, but it'll be in Indianapolis. The Iowa fans and Michigan fans are great people. They're fun to party with. So it'll be a good weekend followed by an anticlimactic game where Michigan probably sees themselves back into the college football playoff. Love it. Well, guys, again, we'll try to keep these episodes to an hour apiece. We're going to break down each Power Five conference, and then BCB and Larry are going to do a uh, group of five call. I'll be there to help chime in where I can. It's definitely not my specialty, but everyone appreciate you taking the time to listen, and we'll see you again shortly.